So last night, I went to see a play in the city with a friend of mine. And she just asked that if, on the way in, we could stop off for a little bit at this networking event that was happening for an organization that she belonged to. She's starting up a business and wanted to make connections. Well, the organization, I'm not getting the name exactly right, but it was the Irish something, the Irish Heritage, um, organized partly by the Irish Consulate. And I'll be honest, I've always had a secret envy of Irish Americans, because they seem to be really well connected. And uh, I'm sure we have some Irish people here, so good job. But in any event, this was a very Irish gathering. Probably about 50% of the people were from Ireland. You could hear the brogues all throughout the room. And a lot of good talking, very happy place, it was a little Irish pub. But what I noticed about myself was just how self-conscious I felt. I don't have a drop of Irish blood in me. And every time I'd sort of introduce myself, I'd, I'd say something like, well, you know, I'm not Irish, but I love St. Patrick's Day, or just <laughs> something really goofy. And they would always be like, you know, it's okay. You don't have to be Irish to be here. We're glad you're here. And the reason I'm sharing my Irish inadequacy with you is simply because to this now, even to tonight, I find myself thinking, when we meet people, right, lots of encounters for lots of different reasons, but what is it that takes an encounter into being an engagement? If I can use that language. I mean, maybe it's just semantics, but I think you know what I mean. We encounter people all the time. And if you go to one of these networking events, it's a lot more sort of in your face than if you just pass them on the street. But just think about all the different layers of engagement that we have, from the casual person that maybe we barely give a second glance to, to those situations where we're inserted into them socially, and you, know, you hopefully have to interact somehow, to our families that we're just born into, we don't choose them necessarily, to those deep and abiding friendships. But what is it that takes an encounter into the level of being a true engagement? And I'd like to suggest that on that journey, it always hinges on choices. We always have choices to make. Encounters are going to happen. We can't avoid them unless you're on a deserted island. But what are the choices you make in the face of encounter? And the reason I think this is particularly germane as we begin this Advent season is that Advent itself is an encounter. It's one of the beauties of our Catholic sacramental life, right? We have this liturgical season that cycles us through. And if you're like me, occasionally you can slip into, okay, it's Advent again. Gosh, seems like it was just Advent last year. We know it's going to happen. We're familiar with the readings, thinking about Christmas. But of course, it's yet another encounter. And it's an encounter, and this is the beauty of the church, that's forced in a way. But there is a choice that precedes it, right? We're all here by choice tonight, at least the vast majority of us. And then you walk through the doors, and maybe you didn't even remember that this was the start of Advent, but you can't escape it. You're immediately confronted. All the purple, the hymns, the prayers, certainly the Advent wreath. And now we're faced with a choice. How do I want to encounter God in this Advent season again? And of course, it's not as if God shows up differently. God didn't wake up this morning and say, oh my gosh, it's Advent, I better put my purple on. It's the same God 
who's been there forever. What changes, of course, is us. And so then the choices become how receptive do we want to be? To what degree do we want to move this encounter into an engagement? Now the thing about these networking events that I find so powerful in a sense is that they really do have extraordinary capacity. Because there is something, it's, it's forced in a way, you said, okay, we're all going to be here and we're expected to connect at a certain level. And think about the extraordinary potential that's there. The potential if you're just willing to go a little bit over a threshold, right? And that can be a base, as basic as once you get past chatting about the weather and where you work, asking something that's kind of meaningful or maybe allowing yourself to share something that's sort of meaningful and maybe a little bit personal. And a lot of times we know that's awkward or TMI, right? I wish we'd expunge that from our language. Too much information, which just basically means, you know, we haven't quite gotten to the point where we should in the relationship. But is it our desire to get there, at least with some people in our lives? And the only way an encounter will become an engagement is if some level of trust begins to build up. And none of us has a little switch on our back that says, you know, trust, on, off. You can't decide to be trusting. That has to grow over time. And if it's real trust, that means risk is involved. There will always be uncertainty that precedes the development of trust. I wasn't very trusting last night. I didn't feel like I wanted to get involved or what would they think of me? I was so wrapped up in my own. It's a silly example, but we can think of more significant examples like that in our lives where maybe we struggle to trust even in our families, relationships, friendships that were once so meaningful and trust begins to erode. And you've got to make the decision. You've got to say, I'm going to take a step out here into the unknown. And the gospel we have tonight, the first Sunday of Advent, it's always one of these. Be watchful, look out, you don't know what's coming. And again, if you're like me, the lie that we fall into is that that's God just waiting to pounce on us. God's, you know, hiding behind the next door. Bam, you didn't know I was here, but here I am, gotcha. And if you think about it, that's absurd. So... Jesus, before his death and resurrection, had reason to say, be watchful, you don't know what's going to happen. But we know what's happened. It's already happened. When we celebrate Advent, we're not giving God a little nudge, telling him he better be born in four weeks. All that we're doing is making ourselves, hopefully, a little bit more aware of that presence which is here. And so for us, the be watchful, be on the lookout, be like the gatekeeper. It's not look out because God's going to do something when you least expect it. Rather, it's going to be help your own heart and mind be receptive because we're not always as fully receptive as we could be for lots of different reasons. We're angry, we're sad, we're ashamed, we're depressed. We're caught up in different things, addictions, all sorts of reasons. Our hearts are less receptive than they could be. So this idea of being watchful is really just an invitation to think with brutal honesty and say, what's getting in the way of my receptivity these days? Again, a silly example, but I could say very clearly why I wasn't receptive last night. 
I had this goofy sort of self-consciousness that I was with these people and I didn't fit in and I didn't belong and I just couldn't wait to get out of there and be with someone I was more comfortable with. If we do that with the people in our lives, you better believe we do that with God. And so as we launch into this four-week Advent focus on knowing God personally, maybe just a little spiritual exercise to take on. And that's simply to do what I didn't do last night. And the people there are probably glad I didn't do it. And that's simply to say, all right, Lord, here it is. This is what's on my heart. This is what's on my mind. And instead of just treating it as if God said, hey, how's the weather down there in Libertyville? You know, how's it going today? Really said, no, tell me what's on your heart. If there's a fear or if there's a joy or a gratitude, just take some time in prayer. Talking about two minutes a day. Two really authentic minutes is worth a whole half hour of just sort of blabbering. And if that sounds like an unusual way to pray, well, wait a minute, why shouldn't I recite this prayer? Why shouldn't I pray for that cause? By all means, those are things to hold on to, but start with yourself. It's not selfish. Lord, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm grateful. Whatever it is near the top of your list at that moment, that's what you should put out there. That's the way to begin to grow in trust. Because I promise you what happens is that the more forthcoming and trusting we are, the more receptive you'll notice your heart is. Sometimes we receive it in prayer. Sometimes it's just being more receptive so that when we meet other people, we allow them to be thresholds and doorways of God's presence in our life. I didn't receive a whole lot last night. Missed opportunity, maybe. But as long as we're still breathing, those opportunities are never going to stop coming. So wherever it is for you, wherever the opportunity is to move from encounter to engagement, maybe just focus this week on looking for those moments and don't let them pass by.